I think Mustafa Ali is going to win this match. Most of the predictions that I've seen say Cedric Alexander, but I'm not sure what the uh, rationale behind that is. Uh, I think Ali's a feel-good story. I think he's going to take it, and they're going to give him a little run at the top here because he is a very young and very talented and charismatic star. Um, he's got a really cool finisher. I, I think that he will add a level of spice to 205 Live that it does kind of need. I mean, Vince was right in the sense that, you know, it needs some storyline. It needs some sort of development, but it doesn't need to be Raw or SmackDown. It really doesn't. It needs to focus more on the wrestling. Uh, but to have charisma is never necessarily a bad thing. And I think Mustafa Ali has that. Uh, I see him going home with this. Um, I did take a pause for a little bit. I, before we get into the main matches, I'm going to go back to the Men's Battle Royale. Um, somebody who I'd forgotten about with respect to the Men's Battle Royale is Elias. And now that it appears that The Rock um, is not going to appear at WrestleMania, I think that Elias is more than likely going to be involved in that Battle Royale. And as a matter of fact, I think he is probably the most likely candidate to win the Battle Royal. Um, for those that aren't aware, the rumors about The Rock were that he was going to potentially come out and um, do what I sort of predicted last week, which was come out and have like a guitar off with Elias. But that is no longer in the cards, apparently, because The Rock, due to promoting Rampage, the movie that I don't even know it's out. It might come out this week. I can't recall what the release schedule for that is. But he's promoing the movie currently, and his promo schedule does not allow him to appear at WrestleMania. Now, again, that could be a red herring. Usually when The Rock has not appeared, like last year, I believe it was actually due to filming, active filming, not promos. And that certainly doesn't appear to have stopped him in the past. Um, but we'll see. The Rock did come out in an interview just within the last 48 hours saying, hey, I'm not going to be at WrestleMania, just so everybody's aware. And based upon WWE's plans, it certainly appears as though that's likely going to be the case, that he is not going to appear at WrestleMania, which is unfortunate. I, I think it's always, you know, not to say that you have to center around your stars from a nostalgic standpoint. I, I think that's problematic when you do it with the matches. But for WrestleMania, which is already so long and you're making it a long show anyway, to have some of those segments where the stars, the you know, the legends kind of come out and do their thing, I think those are cool. Um, so for Rock not to have that at WrestleMania 34, I think it's disappointing for WWE, The Rock, and most of all the fans. So uh, I'm going to switch that pick to Elias. Now moving forward into the main card. I mean, there's a bunch of places we can start here. Um so let's probably do so with the United States Championship from SmackDown, which, for those that don't know, would involve Bobby Roode as a main challenger, Jinder Mahal as a main challenger, uh, Rusev as a challenger, and then the champion, Randy Orton. Rusev was a late add to this match because of the Rusev Day chance, the Rusev Day merch, uh, going hot on WWEshot.com, at least that is the behind-the-scenes rumor, I believe that, that it would seem to be correct, uh, as he was slated for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal just until probably about two weeks ago when they bumped him up, and I, I think it really must have been due to merch sales. I mean, your Rusev Day chance all the time, the Rusev Day calendar, the uh, 2018 wall calendar sold out immediately to the point when they had to, I think, up manufacturing of it. Um, 
And so that's, it's just a testament to the kind of charisma, kind of ring work, kind of overall really good wrestler Rusev is. Um, and WWE just didn't seem to want to promo him for whatever reason. They didn't give him his dap, didn't give him his due. So he sort of came up and took it here uh, from a merch perspective. And when that happens, my response is always good for you. You know, you went and you grabbed that apple right off the tree. And that's what Rusev's done. He deserves to be in the main event because of that. I like him a lot. I, not just because of Lana, <laughs> who is absolutely beautiful, but he, in and of himself, seems to be a pretty smart, pretty funny guy. If you ever go on YouTube and see some of his stuff, where he does interviews with third parties, a lot of that is hilarious. And his Twitter feed and Instagram are also very funny. So if you follow Rusev on social media, you'll find out that he does have an amazing personality outside the ring. He's not just the Bulgarian brute. Um, and I think that that's what's propelled him uh, to where he is in this match. I mean, the rest of the competitors here, you've got Orton, who's probably going to take some more time off, you would have to imagine. He, to his credit... He has been on a relatively full-time schedule here with WWE over the last year, year and a half. Uh, has not taken a lot of time. I, I think it's probably about time that you see Randy take a step away. I think one of the only things that may prevent that is the fact that you're probably staring Cena and Lesnar stepping away for significant periods of time uh, in the mouth post-WrestleMania. So maybe that would keep Orton around a little bit. But I, I don't think so. I think you're going to see Randy here in the second half of 2018 start to take chunks of time to himself and become more of a part-timer. Maybe not a complete part-timer, maybe like a Jericho where you take time off and then you come back and when you do it, you do it full bore. You don't just kind of come in and out. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I, So in any event, I don't think Orton's probably going to be around much longer. I think that Mahal... They're going to keep in kind of a mid-card picture, but I don't see them pulling the trigger on him here. Uh, after his recent WWE Championship run was subpar, and Rude, I think they like Rude a lot. I think you're going to see him in the mid-card to upper mid-card, um, but I don't think that they're going to put it on him here either, as he just had the belt recently, so I think they're going to go back to Rusev, who has not held a title in a while, hasn't been a title picture for a while. Again, for hashtag reasons, you know, nobody really knows why that's the case. But finally, the fans in sort of a very small Daniel Bryan-esque kind of move appear to have nudged WWE in the direction of Rusev saying, hey, we like this guy. Give him more airtime. Um, give him you know something to do where he's more regularly featured on the product because we'd like to see him. And I think that's what they're going to do here and give him the United States title. So I am going to go Rusev in that match. I've, I think most of the, again, I, I'm not going to try to reference odds too much as to spoilers. Actually, you know what? I, you know, I won't reference any more odds. Um, I'll keep the odds out of this because I, I don't think that's fair to anybody. So I'll keep the odds out. I, I know I talked about them a little bit with Mustafa Ali and said Alexander, but I'll keep them out because those are, let's say they're always accurate. They aren't, even though, even though wrestling is predetermined and they have odds as to a predetermined sport, believe it or not, those odds are not always accurate. So uh, that isn't determinative necessarily, but I am going to leave it out of this conversation to spare those who would rather not hear about it and, and get a leaning one way or another. 
So let's move on from the United States title. I may as well go to the Intercontinental title just because that is the raw variation of the same kind of mid-level belt that is held by The Miz, who thinks it's the belt, best belt in the history of the universe, versus Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins in a triple threat match. This one, I really honestly don't know, to be fair. I think this could go any three ways. I think Miz could keep it. I think that Rollins could take it. I think that Balor could take it. I think this was a little bit thrown together. Granted, it was thrown together with enough time to develop a storyline, so that has been good. But, you know, it was one of those where they were looking at WrestleMania down the throat, and they said, what are we going to do with Seth Rollins and Finn Maller? And, oh, let's just stick them with The Miz. I'm glad they have not expanded this match, though. I will tell you that right now. To have kept it as a triple threat makes me very happy. I think I said that on last week's pod. I did not want them to add anybody to this match. They have not added anybody to this match. They've continued to advertise it as a triple threat match, which looks like, I mean, at this point, what it's going to be, which does make me happy because all three of these guys can work. If they're put in the right environment, I think this could be a real high-level match with the finesse that all three of them carry, the stamina. They're going to go hard. They're not going to lose a lot of steam. You know, this this has the potential to be one of the top matches of the night, maybe even a show stealer. So, it, it, and I don't expect interference either. I don't expect the Taraj to come out, Axel and Dallas to cause problems. I expect it to be a clean match with a clean finish. You'll see some shenanigans from Miz just because he is the quintessential heel. But in the end, there is going to be a clean pin. And I... At this point, I'm going to say Miz retains. I am. I think a Miz is going to retain, and then I think you're going to maybe see a spinoff feud between Balor and Rollins, with Rollins and the Shield, with the returning Ambrose being sort of the baby faces, and Balor and the club being the heels. That is good. That is my prediction. I think Miz retains, and Miz will find a storyline with somebody else. I think that, to me, makes the most sense. Again, there are a lot of variations that this match can go. I think that nobody, to me, in any you know other reviews that I've read or previews that I've read, um, has this match very clean one way or another to any of the three individuals. But that, storyline-wise, makes the most sense to me. I'm fine with it because I think Miz is one of the hardest-working guys in the company. I think that his promo work is amazing. It's ever-evolving. The passion that he had in what I believe at this point, gosh, it was a long time ago. I think it was a 2016 Talking Smack segment with Daniel Bryan was off the charts. So to me, that's the way that I would like to see the chips fall. Miz keep the belt, keep it as still the most relevant and oft defended belt on the Raw brand and continue to do so as we head into the latter part of 2018. Moving on from that one, let's see, we could go to the tag belts or we could go to the women's belts. Let's go to the women's belts. And let's do, maybe let's just do SmackDown Raw, SmackDown Raw. So let's go SmackDown to probably the more anticipated of the women's matches. Asuka, the challenger versus Charlotte Flair, the champion. Charlotte, don't call me Charlotte. Yeah, don't call me just Charlotte Flair, the champion. I don't know if it was really necessary to add her last name there. Everybody knows who Charlotte is. Everybody knows who Charlotte is related to. 
if that's what you wanted to do, that's fine. But, you know, a little bit strange to me. Um, so, but in any event, that is what we have. I think that Charlotte is one of the best wrestlers. I, to me, I think she's the best female wrestler in WWE. I do. From a technical standpoint, from a, again, charisma standpoint, I think she works both baby and heel very well. Um, the heel persona of her kind of sticking her nose up as wrestling royalty is great. The, again, she's very engaging as a baby face. She has a great smile. Um, is probably very nice person outside the ring. In the end, though, Asuka is going to win this match. They're not going to burn Asuka's streak here. And to say it would be a burn, I think, would be a miscalculation. That's probably a misstatement on my part. She is going against probably the most decorated women's champion of this new age and new era in in Charlotte. So to lose to Charlotte, I don't think there would be any shame in that, per se. But I do feel as though uh, she, her streak is something that is needs to be protected, is going to be protected in the future. I think she's going to come in. They're going to have her win this match. Between now and SummerSlam, she'll probably have a couple small feuds, but hopefully some even, even some more squash matches where you just give her, you know, some sort of indie talent who comes in off the street and have her beat her in 30 seconds with a kick to the head like they did in the WrestleMania buildup. Just make her out to be Again, just this killer who doesn't care about anybody, just take somebody out with a blink of an eye. I think that's great stuff. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic the way that she does it. Um, to me, that's the way to do it. And it will be very interesting to see how they progress with her as champion. But I think that this is a high likelihood Asuka match. I predict that she is going to win it and carry that belt into the future. And not only is it going to be interesting to see what they do with her with her matches in the future. But as I stated in last week's podcast, Asuka does not speak English well. And again, that shouldn't preclude you necessarily from being champion. But in this world where the belt is promoted in a United States promotion, which is a predominantly English-speaking country with uh, predominantly English-speaking fans, not only in the U.S., but Canada and Britain, that's a risky move to put the belt on somebody who basically doesn't speak English without having a mouthpiece. So will they place a mouthpiece on Asuka? I don't think so because I think they want her to develop her language work. And I think she's doing a better job, sort of like Shinsuke. But she still has a lot to learn, and we'll see how well that aspect of her character progresses as well over the next few months. And I wish her the best. I think she's a fantastic wrestler, and I hope that she keeps that belt for some time. Moving on to the Raw women's match. This one, sort of like the Asuka-Charlotte match, I think is kind of a no-brainer. I, I think Nia Jax wins this match. I think she comes in and just beats the tar out of Alexa Bliss. I'm not saying it's going to be Sheamus with the brogue kick to Daniel Bryan from back at, what was that, WrestleMania 28 or 29. But I do think that it is going to be a fast match. Um, and I, I, I don't necessarily like it though. I, I think Alexa Bliss is very good as champion. I don't particularly like Nia Jax as a wrestler. I don't know about her work habits, but she doesn't really have the charisma to me. She, you know, Asuka 
has more of a killer aura about her when she's maybe a quarter of the size of Nia Jax. You know, Nia, I don't know if it's her voice, but I think it's generally just the way she carries herself. She doesn't carry herself as this monster to me. And maybe she's trying to portray this idea that, you know, bigger women don't have to be, you know, monsters or feared or something of that nature. And that's great to the younger generation. But when you're talking about wrestling and you're talking about developing a character for a particular role, that's what she has to have. She has to have that element in her character. And to develop her in any other way just doesn't work, at least not for me. Um, Braun Strowman is kind of who she, she should be modeled after. She should be the female Braun Strowman. She should come in and just say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. you know, get these hands. That, that should be Nia Jax in a female form. And that's not how they promote her. They had her do that silly angle before he got fired with Enzo Amore, which was just ridiculous. And again, took her character down a peg for me and made her less of a threat. And now here she is going up against Alexa. And I think they're going to try to pull the trigger on this monster deal that she could just go in and beat up on Alexa Bliss. Again, this is my prediction. But if that's the way that they go... To me, it's just not very believable at this point. And I would rather see Alexa Bliss use some heel tactics, get out of that ring with the belt, and move on to another storyline and maybe develop Nia in that role, in that monster killer role, with another opponent that doesn't have the belt. Build her up. Have her do some squash mashes. Have her you know, beat up on you know, I don't know, Mickey James and Dana Brooke and whoever else on her way to coming back around to Alexa at a later time, maybe at SummerSlam if you do it correctly, and pull the trigger at that time. I, I just think this is way too early and way too so- soon with her, especially with her coming recently off of that Enzo Amore awful storyline to put the belt on her. That is my prediction. I'm going with Nia Jax in that match. We then move on. Two, the next match being uh, one of the, I'm going to go into one of the tag matches on this one. So, we have the SmackDown tag match, the Usos, champions, versus the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. I I suppose you kind of have to go with the Bludgeon Brothers here. I... You know, and maybe New Day and Usos are both just flabbergasted about the fact that they end up losing the match. They think they're the better tag teams and the Bludgeon Brothers walk out with it. But to me, you've promoted the Bludgeon Brothers in the way that you have. You haven't really had them in any meaningful matches as a team on television this far, which to me, when you then insert them into a WrestleMania match, means they almost have to win. Doesn't it? That's usually, to me, that's the way it kind of goes, is if you've got somebody, either an individual or a tag team, that hasn't done much of anything, and then you put them in something at WrestleMania, they, they sort of have to win because there's no premise upon which to base them losing. And what are you going to do? Build them up, do vignettes and everything else, and talk about what a you know amazing, just monster tag team they are, and then have them walk into the match and lose? Probably not. So to me, it, it, this one is telegraphed towards the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, New Day, know how to work fantastic match, go back to Hell in the Cell 2017 to view what they did there, 
if you want to see the Usos in the New Day and what they can do when given some time and when given some physicality. Um, but the Bludgeon Brothers, Harper and Rowan, d- deserve a shot to rehabilitate here in WWE. Rowan, I know, has been out with injury bugs. Harper's had a little bit of injuries during his career. But everybody praises Luke Harper. From the critics to the wrestlers themselves, everybody seems to think that Luke Harper is uber-talented and is a very, very good wrestler. So to give him a moment with the SmackDown belts here and see if he can develop in the ring, maybe his persona more. I don't think it doesn't sound as though he really needs to develop his in-ring work. It sounds like he probably just needs to develop his character work because, it, you know, it, again, this is the same type of Luke Harper with the Bludgeon Brothers that you sort of had with the Wyatts. And if he's going to make it as a singles wrestler, he kind of needs to break out of that a little bit. They, they almost pulled the trigger on him with the storyline where he was breaking away from Bray. I can't remember when that was. I guess that was probably early 2017, maybe late 2016. But then they sort of didn't do it. They didn't go all the way with it. And I think that, that now they have a chance to put the SmackDown tag team belts on him, have a little run with Rowan, and then spin him off later in 2018 as a singles and finally give him his chance to shine, see if he can take advantage of it. So I believe the Bludgeon Brothers are going with that match. Moving to the Raw tag, Raw tag team belts. Braun Strowman still doesn't have a partner. It could be Brain Strowman. Could be Brain Strowman. I listen to Talk is Jericho, which is my favorite podcast that isn't my podcast, just a couple days ago, and Jericho said yet again, I am not coming to WrestleMania. I have a tour date on that day. I am going to watch WrestleMania with those who choose to stay after my concert, and I am not Brain Strowman. I am not Braun Strowman's partner in any capacity. I don't know who Braun's partner is. I don't know if it's going to possibly be Elias. I guess that's still on the table. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Ultimately, who knows? It could just be Braun. But like I stated last week, if it's just Braun, I I hope that they don't have him just destroy Sheamus and Cesaro. I think that's kind of a problem. I I feel as though Sheamus and Cesaro are still somehow going to come out of this as tag team champions. But at the same time, it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense with the way things are going. So that that's what I'm weighing. I, for whatever reason, feel as though the bar is going to have the title. So maybe they drop it. It might be one of those situations where maybe they drop him at WrestleMania and then get him back the next night on Raw. It could be that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with that, actually. I'm going to say this is going to be sort of be like um, what happened at Wrestle Kingdom 12 with the trios belts where Bullet Club dropped them um, to Taguchi and friends at Wrestle Kingdom 12, and then on New Year's Dash, which is the very next day, they took him back. I, I think that's what you're going to see here in that Strowman is going to win the belts, either with or without a partner, and then the next Raw, Raw the next night, he might just say, you know what, I don't even want these. Either that or Angle might come out if it's just Braun and say, you can't hold the belts by yourself. I'm taking them back and giving them back to the bar. That might be what transpires. So that's going to be my prediction is Strowman and mystery partner or no partner are going to win the belts and then have to turn them back over. Moving on from that, I'll do the championship matches last. So let me think, because I'm doing this without a list in front of me as to what we have left. 
that would be non-title, I guess I'll do Cena Undertaker, which again, <laughs> isn't technically a match, people. We don't know what's going to happen. I will say there is some speculation that there may not be a Cena Taker match at Mania. That Taker may come out and they might do a stare down leading to a later match. When that would be, I'm not exactly sure though. See, that's I don't think that's going to happen because what are you going to do? Wait four months to SummerSlam? You're just going to have them do a stare down and they're going to do a four month build? I don't think that's happening. So I think there is going to be a match. And if there is a match, there's no way John Cena is winning that match. Undertaker's going to go over in that match. He's already lost twice at WrestleMania. He's not losing again. He is going to beat Cena, put Cena sort of back in his place for all the stuff that he's been saying about Taker over the last few weeks. And then Cena's going to go on his Merry Hollywood way, and Taker's going to go back into the abyss. And that's one of the reasons I've got no real desire to see this match. It's not going to be a five-star match. It's going to be... Cena, who could still go to his credit up again, but is leaving for probably a pretty long break after this match. I guess Undertaker, who can't go, and even with a new hip, um, probably can't do a whole heck of a lot. I I would hope that he puts in a better showing than he did. I'm not going to say effort, because I'm sure he put in effort, but a better showing than he did last year against Roman Reigns because of the hip replacement. Hopefully that ends up helping him and allows him to move around a little bit better. But look, neither of these guys is going to be a part of the picture probably over the course of the next year. I'm sure Cena will come back at some point during that period, but for the most part, he's going to be gone. Taker's not going to be doing anything, and this isn't going to be a good match. And not only that, but I don't think the build has been particularly good. I don't know how everybody else feels about that, but for Cena to keep coming out and saying, you know, you're weak, you don't have it anymore, you... What a, you know, P word, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's not, how, how is that helpful? You know, so we're, we're taking, we're, we're saying the Undertaker is a wuss, essentially for not coming out and wrestling you, John Cena, when he's had a huge career and is a Hall of Famer. And there's no discernible reason to call him out otherwise. So if you didn't want to come out of retirement and wrestle you, he's all of a sudden weak, because of that, I mean, that, it just doesn't compute with me. It really makes no sense, <laughs> frankly. I don't know why in the world they think that that's an appropriate storyline. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So, again, I think the build-up's been bad. I think the wrestling is going to be bad. And neither of these guys is going to be involved in the promotion going forward for the foreseeable future. So, to me, I, I, it doesn't matter. But Cena is not going to win. Undertaker will win. And right off into the sunset for the foreseeable future. Maybe this will be it for you. It for him. I'm not quite sure. All right. The next match that we'll jump into here is the big other non-championship match. Uh, this one is going to take place. Unlike unlike the Cena Undertaker match, where we of course aren't quote unquote sure. Uh, this being Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. Uh, Shane McMahon overcoming diverticulitis apparently, and Daniel Bryan. Uh, overcoming a heck of a lot more than that with his concussion issues to come back to the ring to face Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. If Zayn and Owens lose, they are still fired. That will probably result in Owens and Zayn winning, you would think, right? Because they're not going to remain fired. The prevailing thought process, though, seems to be because you're bringing back a babyface Brian a huge babyface in Brian, 
that there's no way Brian couldn't get the win here. And again, this is WrestleMania. This isn't some other pay-per-view. So you, you've got to imagine that they're going to have the faces go over, that they can't just have Sammy and Kevin beat the tar out of Daniel Bryan and that how, be how the match ends. That typically wouldn't happen here at the babyface of all babyface pay-per-views being WrestleMania, where they want to essentially portray a feel-good story, right? Or at least want a major event to happen. Um, and I don't think, to be honest with you, I really don't think Kevin and Sammy winning here and Shane turning would be a big enough to, event to really have at WrestleMania. Maybe it would be. But I suspect that Shane and Brian are going to win with Brian getting the pinfall, Shane how, somehow becoming aggravated during the match, and then somehow reinstating Shane, or excuse me, Kevin and Sammy after the fact. That That's my guess. Because again, I, I see when you've got Daniel Bryan coming back for his WrestleMania moment and it being such a feel-good story, I think it's next to impossible to have him lose this match. So I think that Bryan's going to get the pin, but there's going to be some sort of turn by Shane McMahon heel, basically, that allows Kevin and Sammy to come back to SmackDown Live, despite all the problems that they've had, and get their names back in the game. Because obviously they are not, <laughs> they're not fired. They're not actually fired here. They are storyline fired, and they're going to get back into the mix here. Um, I would expect, I, I'm really interested to see how many bumps Brian takes here. If the powerbomb on the apron is any indication, it's going to be a heck of a lot of bumps. Um, I would like him to be careful, as I'm sure everybody would. Now that Daniel Bryan is back, certainly everybody wants him to uh, have a long career in the wrestling ring from here on out, but also to have a long, fruitful wife with or life with his wife and his daughter, um, and any other children, the rest of their family that they've got. And, and nobody wants to see that taken away, including myself. So best of luck to Daniel Bryan in staying safe in the ring. Moving on from that one, we have, um, well, I guess I'm just going to go right into the championship matches. And then I'm going to finish up with, well, I guess the other big non-championship match being Rousey and Angle versus McMahon and Triple H. But I'm going to finish with that one. Let's go to then the SmackDown championship match being the WWE champion AJ Styles versus the number one contender and Royal Rumble winner Shinsuke Nakamura. I, I said it on last week's pod and I'll say it again. I think that this match has been pumped up way too much from relying on a match that they had over two years ago. And it was reiterated again when Styles this past SmackDown mentioned New Japan in his promo for the match. You know, we wrestled in New Japan. We had a classic in New Japan. Again, that's great, okay? But talk about why it is that you guys want to face one another. I mean, they, they almost talk about it like it's a um, kind of an off-the-cuff remark. Well, he's one of the best in the world. Why is he one of the best in the world? What does he do? Break it down for me. That tells you why he's one of the best in the world. And if you are going to rely on the New Japan match, don't kind of half-ass it and give me, you know, a, a reason or two off the cuff. Give me some, break it down. He is a this many time intercontinental champion. He's a three time IWGP heavyweight champion. He's held the belt for this long. And I know that WWE doesn't want to go into de detail about another promotion, particularly one that's moving into the United States. 
and is looking probably not to challenge them at the outset, but steal some attention away from them. Let's put it that way. But if you, again, if you're going to rely on that match, you've got to go full bore on it. You can't just off the cuff it. And that's what they've done. I, I did think that this past SmackDown did a better job of setting everything up from the, the match standpoint. The week prior, you had Shinsuke do the almost Kinsasha to AJ's face. This week, it was AJ more playing around with him, doing the phenomenal forearm right in front of his face um, to their tag opponents, who, unfortunately, I can't remember who those, oh, Benjamin Gable too, Chad Gable, uh, to get the pin there. And then, um, you know, he comes in being um, Shinsuke, and then he does the same thing, doing the fake phenomenal forearm to him and patting him on the head. It, it was nice, and it was kind of a good way to set it up. And then Shinsuke gets aggravated. You see angry Shinsuke, which you don't see all that often in WWE. That was a better setup than what they had. But again, I, I wish that this was drawn out a little bit more and the build to it. If if they weren't going to rely on the new Japan stuff so much, then give it a little more time to ferment and develop. And I don't think that they did that here in the end. Who do I think is going to win? I said last week I thought this might have been a toss-up. I still think it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, I think the, uh, reasonable logic would suggest that it's going to be Shinsuke Nakamura, but I'm going to say that AJ is going to retain here. I'm going to say it's going to be a long match, but I'm going to say AJ gets his back from his New Japan match with Shinsuke and wins to defend the title. And then the two of them have maybe a bit of a feud going forward that could result in Shinsuke getting the belt. But for some reason, something tells me they're not going to pull the trigger on Shinsuke here and AJ is going to keep the belt and run with a little bit more. I mean, he is the face of SmackDown Live. He really is. And with Cena gone, they're going to need a lot of star power. Now, Grant Cena hasn't really been on SmackDown all that much lately. He's more so been on Raw. But they're going to need AJ to carry that belt because he is the star of SmackDown Live. I mean, not to say that any of the wrestlers aren't stars, but he is the current face of that brand. And, and unless they're going to do a superstar shakeup that adds a little more meat to that lineup. Um, and again, there are good wrestlers on there, but everybody's just sort of stagnant right now in that brand. Um, including, you know, guys like Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, even a little bit, um, even though they ended up getting to the finals in the Mixed Mass Challenge. I, I, you know, I think that there probably does actually need to be a bit of a shakeup, but for the time being to keep the ship upright and viewers watching the show, the viewers that are watching the show, I think AJ Styles being the champion in the near future is the better move, and that's what they'll do. Moving on to the Universal title, the rematch from WrestleMania 31, champion Brock Lesnar defends against Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is winning this belt. This is, out of any of the no-brainer decisions, out of any of the matches that are on this card, this one might be the largest of the no-brainers. There should be no doubt in anybody's mind that Roman Reigns is winning that match. He's taking that belt out of um, the Superdome on Sunday, April 8th, and that's what it's going to be. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But there are a lot of people, and he's not just Vince's boy, I don't think. I know that Vince kind of has him as the golden child. And Jericho, who, again, isn't necessarily contracted the promotion currently, has said some 
maybe not super controversial things about WWE, but not always along the company line things about WWE recently, said on his recent podcast from earlier this week that he understands that Roman is Vince's golden boy, but at the same time, he's worked with Roman. He has nothing but good things to say about Roman Reigns. He's nothing but good things to say about him. And I think a lot of the wrestlers feel that way. A lot of the wrestlers feel about Roman Reigns sort of the way they feel about Luke Harper (laughs) from a work standpoint. But then Reigns has the look. He's got some charisma about him. He's not – I still don't think he's as great on the mic as people want him to be. People want him to be like a Rock or a Cena or somebody like that on the mic, and he's just not. So that I think is a little rough. But once he can get that down, if he can get that down – I think that that will lend a lot of credence to a championship run, and he's going to have the championship run with the Universal Championship, and hopefully he actually shows up on Raw to defend it every once in a while, unlike the guy who has basically not been on television for the last six months. You know, people like Lesnar. Lesnar's a beast. He adds some legitimacy from his MMA stuff, but to have a guy who's a champion on a show who's not actually on the show doing anything drives me completely bonkers and I think is a bit of a travesty, really. I, I That's got to change. You, you just cannot have that. Um, so it'll be nice to have the belt on somebody who is actually going to be on Raw regularly and we'll, we'll see what he does. Maybe he'll turn people's opinions. He's kind of turned mine. Uh, I was kind of an anti-Reigns guy maybe about a year ago, but in that last year, I said, you know what? He seems to be a guy a lot of people like. Is he sort of a golden boy from being picked from his dynasty days? Yes, he is to an extent. But at the same time, I, I don't hear a lot of negatives from within the industry about him. And if, if the rest of the wrestlers feel fine about him and seem to accept him and know that this is what it is um, going forward, but they don't have a problem with it, then why should I necessarily as a fan? Um, you know, I, I think that he has – you know, Christmas in the ring. And again, I think he's working on the promos. I think he's getting better from that standpoint. So let's see what he does. Give him the belt. Let's see what he does. And yeah, I'll be interested to watch it. Interested to watch it going forward um, and see if he can really end up carrying the torch. All right, final match. Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus Stephanie McMahon at Triple H. This has got to be Rousey and Angle, right? I mean, it can't really go any way. It's probably going to be Ronda Rousey breaking Stephanie's arm um, and having her submit. And that's, I don't see it finishing any other way with probably Triple H trying to get back in the ring and Kurt holding him back or something along those lines. That's how this is going to end. It's Again, this is probably a, the slightest of steps down from as obvious as Roman over Brock. There's no doubt that they're pumping up Rousey. This is sort of along the lines of what I was saying about the Bludgeon Brothers in the SmackDown uh, triple threat is they, they've, pump them up to the point where you haven't seen them in the ring, but they've talked about them a lot. Okay, so even though you've seen Harper and Rowan in the ring before, they're still a new team with a new gimmick, and they're being repackaged and coming back in that capacity. So you're not going to do that with a team and then put them in a major match and have them lose in the major match. That's just not how it's going to go down. So with that being known, the same thing applies basically to Ronda Rousey, who's debuting in the sport. Ronda Rousey's going to come in. She's going to kick ass, take names, and then you know walk out and, and get into another feud. But it, it, the whole point of the match is to legitim, legitimize Ronda Rousey and who she is 
in the sport of wrestling. So Ronda Rousey is going to end up winning this match for her and Kurt Angle. Whether or not she actually wrestles well, I think will be interesting. I don't know if they're going to have her as a striker. That, that, it, this is going to be really crazy to me and something I'm really going to want to keep my eyeballs focused on insofar as what is it that Rousey's going to do in the ring. Is she going to go in there and start suplexing people? I don't know what she's going to do. I don't think anybody necessarily does. The only people who probably have any idea are those who have been at the Performance Center watching her train. And to her credit, it sounds like she's been down there quite a bit getting ready for her debut and her upcoming career, basically, in WWE. So she's got to have some sort of move set, maybe a limited move set, but I, I don't know what exactly it is that she's we can expect her to do, but I will be happy to see that and see what I can expect from her going forward and see how I think she's going to expand the moveset. A lot of her moveset is going to be focused on submission. She's going to be a submission wrestler from that capacity. I I don't think you can deny that. But is she going, and she's probably going to be a striker, but is she going to do things like Germans or other, you know, maybe some big lariats, have some other things in her repertoire that are, you know, a little bit different and bring some fans to the table, um, you know, again, outside the WWE umbrella who want to see her wrestle to make maybe make it a little more realistic. Again, probably the strikes and things like that, but is she going to integrate some of the more traditional wrestling moves, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be very, very interesting to see. So that is the card for WrestleMania 34. I'm super excited for it. I am going to be watching against a seven-hour show, I believe, between the pre-show, for those that are wondering, between the pre-show and the actual show itself. I think the show, WrestleMania, is supposed to run from 7 p.m. to 12. And the pre-show, I believe, obviously, if it's seven hours, runs from 5 to 7. Again, these are all Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight Time, I should say. So be prepared. It's going to be long. <laughs> I will be watching probably from about 6 37 o'clock on so the cruiserweight match again i think it's could be a nice little show but i'm not sure how much of it i'm going to catch the the pre-show stuff really is not stuff that piques my interest too much but everything that's on the show i'm at least semi-interested in so i will be watching wrestlemania just like i'm sure all of you will uh, we'll talk next week about the fallout from wrestlemania uh, talk about all the storylines going forward, potentially a shakeup, who knows, from Monday to Tuesday. And hopefully it will include the discussion from the uh, Raw after WrestleMania, which is always a blast. So for those of you that are down in San Antonio, have fun. Uh, for everybody else, tune in next week. We'll talk more. Brendan Dennis, signing out.